So if you've been with us in recent weeks, you'll know that we are in a series of messages we've called How Long, as we're uh, studying uh, a book in our Bible called Habakkuk, written by the prophet Habakkuk. And so I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk. And on the screen, you'll see a, a list of some of the books of the Bible before Habakkuk and some of the books of the Bible after Habakkuk in case you're trying to flip through, hoping that you land on Habakkuk. It's understandable. It's not one we turn to often. It's toward the back of your Old Testament. Uh, feel free to use your table of contents and make your way uh, to the book of Habakkuk. But love to have you have your Bibles open. Um, with you every Sunday, bring your Bibles, open your Bibles as we study God's Word. We want to keep our finger in the text. So I'll give you a moment to turn there, and, uh, and you can just open to the beginning of the book of Habakkuk, because what we'll do is we'll uh, do a quick recap here, as we've been doing. So as we quickly recap where we've been in the series, and we're winding down, we're going to finish up uh, this book of the Bible next Sunday. As we, as we kind of catch up with where we've been, I've often been asking you to put yourselves in the shoes here to, to see if this conversation rings a bell, if you've ever had a conversation like this, because as we listen in to Habakkuk, we're listening into a conversation between God and Habakkuk, and I want us to see if we relate to this conversation. So you'll see there at the very beginning, verse 2, chapter 1, verse 2, Habakkuk, cries out, how long, O Lord? And he goes on to kind of ask these how long questions. How long is this going to go on, Lord? Why are you doing these things? Why do these things happen? There are bad kings and God's people are disobeying and going against you. And there's evil and violence and injustice in the world around us. Habakkuk and us in this way are kind of crying out here, how long, Lord? What are you going to you know, aren't you going to do something? It feels to Habakkuk, and perhaps it feels to you and I, like we're calling for help sometimes, and God doesn't seem to hear, or God doesn't seem to be answering. And then we see uh, God's response, starting in verse 5. And really, God's answer is pretty surprising. Oh, I'm going to do something, all right. I'm going to do something you won't believe. You're, you're asking for an end to this. You're looking for your prayers to be answered. And, and God's surprising answer is, I'm going to do something you won't believe. It's going to go from bad to worse. I am raising up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. This wicked people are going to be my instrument, God says, in disciplining my own people. And so we see God's sovereignty over the nations, this cutthroat, fierce, wicked people under God's authority used as his instrument in bringing correction to disobedience. So Habakkuk isn't done yet. Habakkuk has a response for this. Habakkuk is listening to God and he's going, seriously, say what? Look at verse 12 and following Habakkuk, and perhaps you and I respond like this. Well, yeah, I trust you, Lord. There's, there's things in these verses that we see in Habakkuk's answer that show he's, he knows stuff about God. He knows that God's nature and character is good. But God, this plan still doesn't make any sense. Say what? That's what you're going to do? That's your answer to my prayer? And then last week, in some ways, we got the end of God's response to Habakkuk. Chapter 2, verse 20, God's answer in many ways was this. 
I've got it under control. Look at verse 20, that silence is an appropriate response before the Lord. In many ways, God's answer in chapter 2 was, shh, I've got it all under control. The righteous, those that are right with God, live by faith, continuing to trust in me. Are there aspects of that conversation that you relate to? Are there how long questions in your own life? Why questions? I I don't know about you, but my experience with studying God's word over and over is that God's word is so timely. And and, and there's things that sure seem like coincidence, but I don't think there is such thing when we're talking about God's sovereignty. Do you know what I mean? That when we open God's word and we hear from him, and, and, and perhaps this isn't where all of you are at this week, but those of us that do have how long questions that are plaguing us in the last weeks or year, those of us that have had difficulty even this week and been tempted to go, why? Why is this going on? It's the perfect time for us to continue studying this topic. So let's ask God to see what he has uh, for us this morning. Father, as we open your word and we continue in this, uh, in this study of Habakkuk, God, we pray that you would speak to us through your word. Would you help us to ourselves before you and hear from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've had this conversation between Habakkuk and God, and it's been a little bit feisty. Habakkuk's been a little bit honest and tough with God, and God's been honest and tough in his response. And I think it's interesting because now we get to today's passage. Look with me at the beginning of chapter 3. Habakkuk 3 is where we're going to start this morning. And you're going to notice Habakkuk's approach seems to change really big here. There's been this back and forth conversation, why, how long, God, what, say what, I don't get it. And now, and now having been told by God, having been corrected by God, having been silenced by God, Habakkuk turns back to God in prayer. Verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet is, is what follows. Um, we're going to put this on the screen here. This is verse 2. And uh, I And I want to ask you to read this with me. Let's read verse 2 aloud together. O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. It seems like, as Habakkuk prays, it seems like it's all coming back to Habakkuk now. I remember now, you, God, are always at work. Here I am asking you for something. Here I am wondering if you're going to do anything. Here I am asking you why and going, aren't you going to do something? And now Habakkuk is remembering, I asked you to do something, but you're always doing something. I had a specific request for you, but you are always at work. It's coming back to me now. I asked you earlier to relate to the conversation, but what, what about this? Do you relate to sometimes going, Oh, yeah, I remember that about God. Have you ever had that? I remember God's goodness to me. I remember his faithfulness in the past. Read that aloud one more time with me. Let's go back to that if you would. Verse 2, read that aloud together one more time. Oh, Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, oh, Lord, do I fear. In other words, God, I have heard of your fame. You are well known for your goodness and for what you're doing. 
uh, I, I stand in awe. That's that fear. I stand in awe, in reverent fear of you because of all that you do. And, and here's one thing I want us to do this morning as we continue to study um, several more verses in chapter 3. I, I want us to have an opportunity this morning to reflect on God's greatness individually and collectively to think back about his faithfulness to us and go, oh yeah, I remember. God, you're always at work. I might be calling out right now in confusion and frustration, why, how long, how long is this going to continue? But Lord, help us this morning to remember your goodness, your faithfulness. Um, my wife Amy and I had a chance this week to reflect on God's greatness like that. Um, we had an opportunity this week in particular, uh, this week gave us an opportunity to, uh, to remember God's working in our lives and in our family and to recount some of those events in recent years. And, and I say specifically this week gave us that opportunity because on Wednesday we celebrated 20 years of marriage. Thank you. <laughs> I said that a week or two ago and I got applause, so I'm like just, I must be repeating it for shameless, you know, applause, you know. No. No, thank you. By God's grace, we're awesome. We're, we're loving it. God's carried us. Marriage is great. Some, many of you are far beyond us in, in, in those years of marriage and God's faithfulness to you. But, but this week gave us an opportunity to uh, recount. And one of the things we do almost every anniversary is for fun, if we're at dinner or whatever, we try to figure out if we can remember what we did on previous anniversaries. Anybody, ever, anybody else ever do this? In the first few years of marriage, how do you think we did? Pretty good. As marriage got longer, how do you think we did? Not as good. We have a Word document now to tell us what we did. We have, I have to print off a document off the computer and take it with us to dinner so that we can remember how we celebrated other anniversaries. We do, we do that almost every anniversary, but this anniversary, we, had, uh, we took a, a, an extra opportunity, a, a better opportunity. And, and specifically as we sat at dinner on Wednesday night, we recounted all the ways that we have seen God in our marriage. We, we, we got to start back at the beginning, young and broke and clueless, <laughs> right? And, and, uh, and, and watch and recount God's faithfulness to us over and over, his provision for us. When we couldn't see a way, him making a way. When, when we didn't know what to do, him providing wisdom and support and encouragement from the body of Christ around us, things like that, just over and over, recalling these God sightings in our life. And hopefully we come away from times like that being able to say, you are a God who is working. You are a God who is working. It's not that you're absent. It's not that you don't hear. It's just when I, when I don't know what's happening, when I'm confused, when I'm asking how long, you're still at work. And so because, here's where we want to be this morning, because we know God is always working, because we know he has been faithful in the past, then guess what? We can trust him moving forward, right? That we can trust him with our future. So would reflecting on God's goodness be something that would benefit you? Should we work that into our lives and our rhythms and, and, and make sure that we take opportunity to recount to ourselves or to one another God's goodness to us? Because I think that's what Habakkuk is doing here in, in chapter 3. Habakkuk goes on in this prayer to recount all that he knows about God and, and these specific examples of, of what he knows that God is in the business of doing. 
He might be confused. He might be asking how long. He might be asking why. But his prayer says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. I'm going to recount them now. I'm going to recount what I know to be true about you. And that you're in the business of of working, of coming, of rescuing. Look with me at verse 3. God came from Taman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens and the earth was full of praise. Even the first two words of verse 3 just remind me of something important that we need to remember. And that is that God comes. When we're not sure where he is, when we're asking the tough questions, when we don't seem like he's, when it doesn't seem like he's listening or answering, God comes. Our God is not distant. We have a God who comes close to us. We have a God who has come close to us by sending his son to live among us. We have a God who comes close to us by the very spirit of God living within those of us that are followers of Jesus. Our God is not uninvolved, friends. Our God is active in our lives. Our God is not an absent father, but an ever-present, loving heavenly father. God comes. And so while these following verses, you know, they could allude to a lot of events in, God's his, in the history of God's people. Habakkuk, though, in the coming verses, seems to particularly uh, remember and seems to particularly allude to this great activity of God that we sometimes call the Exodus. The story of the Exodus is told back in the book of, (laughs) there's a book in your Bible called Exodus that tells the story of the Exodus. If you're not sure what the Exodus is, it tells the story of how God freed his people from slavery, led them out of slavery in Egypt into the desert, and then eventually to God's promised land for them. And so I want us to listen as we keep reading Habakkuk, listen for references to God's miraculous power, these plagues that were sent on the Egyptians to to free his people, but also listen to the afflictions of the Israelites because of their disobedience in the wilderness. Verse 4, his brightness was like the light, rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of cushion in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. And now as we continue these following verses seem to revoke memories of God displaying his power in bodies of water. In the story of the Exodus, God displayed his power in the Nile, in the Jordan, and then in the parting of the Red Sea as as God's people were pursued by the Egyptians and as he's trying to get his people free and away, he parts the water for his people to go through and the water swallows up the pursuing Egyptians. Listen to... Look, look with me at verse 8 and following. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea? When you rode on your horses, on your chariot of salvation. And then we have verses that seem to recall God's amazing work helping them cross the Jordan River and into the new land. Verse 9. You stripped this sheath from your bow calling for many arrows. This is picturing God as a mighty warrior who is delivering his people. 
You split the earth with rivers. Verse 10, the mountains saw you and writhed. The raging water swept on for the deep, gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and the moon stood still in their place. Does that sound familiar from Scripture? Perhaps alluding to Joshua's victory, God's people's victory with Joshua at Gibeah, where the, where the sun stood still in its place. 11, the sun and moon stood still in their place. The light of your arrows as they sped, the flash of your glittering spear, you marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. Boom, boom, boom. Whoa. Did we catch that last part? God, you marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. God, we're crying out to you, how long is this going to go on? Why is this evil pursuing? Why are, are your own people disobedient? Why is this happening to me? How long am I going to go through this? Say what? Y your answer involves wrath? Wrath against sin? Wrath against evil? Wrath against disobedience? Yeah. So just in case anybody's been half asleep, I'm not accusing you. I don't see any eyes like that. But in case we've only been half listening, let's recap. We've got plague, we've got nations trembling, we've got mountains crumbling, and we've got God's anger on the prowl. Yes, God's presence and God's coming to us includes his wrath. God's wrath is in result to his opposition to human rebellion and sin. Yes, God's presence coming to us includes his wrath, because our disobedience, because our rejection of him, because of evil, because we wound, because we go against him and we fall short, we wound his love for us. His holiness, his perfection, his justice must be worked out against sin, disobedience, evil. And so his holiness, his righteousness, his justice comes out like indignation, anger, wrath against sin. Yes, God's presence, his coming to us, his coming to his people, his activity in our world includes wrath. But, church family, ready? Listen. But God's presence, his coming to us also demonstrates his great love for us. His presence and his coming to us also demonstrate his desire that all people come to know and follow him. Romans eleven twenty two. it'll be on the screen, it says, consider therefore the kindness and the sternness of God. God has both characteristics. His kindness is to lead us to repentance. His kindness in coming to us is because of his love and desire that all people would find new and true life in him. So we consider, therefore, his kindness and his sternness. Those of you that are in a life group and you discuss the sermons, you're going to have an opportunity to think about this this week and discuss why both wrath and mercy are attributes of God. And we're going to get to that uh, here in a moment, too, as we continue the passage. But if we're going to consider God's kindness 
and sternness, if we're going to consider his kindness, if we're looking in this passage in Habakkuk, where do we see God's loving purposes, his good purposes for his people? We see his activity. We see him, um, his activeness in the world. We see that he is working. Where do we see specifically his good purposes in this passage? Look at verse 13. God, you went out for the salvation of your people. You went out for the rescue plan that you were putting in place. You went out for the salvation of your anointed. Whether he's talking about the exodus, he worked out a plan to rescue them. Whether he's talking about the big picture of the Bible, the whole Bible tells the story that God is rescuing a people for himself. From beginning to end of our Bibles, that God is at work to bring people to himself. So yes, God comes and also God rescues. Amen? If we want to recount the stories, if we want to remember his faithfulness, if we want to make sure that in the midst of our hard questions and our how longs, we like Habakkuk go, oh Lord, I remember your deeds. We remember that God comes. We remember that God rescues. Even though so many of us rebel against him, even though we fall short, even though we are sinful by nature and by choice, God saves. And the, what's the ultimate? Here we are in the Old Testament. Here we are studying God's love, his coming wrath, but his, his coming love and rescue plan. What is the ultimate example of God coming and rescuing? But through Jesus Christ. Coming and rescuing. Because the gospel is the good news that God rescues sinners like you and me through the life death, and resurrection of Jesus. That Jesus, God's son, the God-man himself, came to be with us, to dwell among us. That Jesus lived a life with no sin. He lived the life that you and I are not capable of. He lived a perfect life. He died the death that we deserve in our place, taking the punishment for our sin so that our sins could be forgiven and we could be made right with a holy and just God. God rescues. And the ultimate example of coming to us and rescuing us was found in the coming and the rescuing by Jesus on the cross. When I think we think of Romans 5, listen to these verses. Since we have now been justified, since we have been now made right by his blood, by the death of Jesus, how much more then shall we be saved from God's wrath through Jesus? Good news? Since we have been made right by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Jesus? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were made right with God through the death of his son, how much more, now that we've been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life, rescued through his death, his death on the cross, and even more so, made right, transformed, made alive, in Christ's resurrection life. If you don't know Jesus, if you haven't find, found new and true life in him, if you're going through the church motions, if you've heard the stories before, but your heart is not a cause to respond in the way that Habakkuk did, oh Lord, I have heard of your fame. 
And I am in awe of your deeds. If that is not you, if that has not happened, if you have not been stirred, if you have not come to the end of yourself and recognize that you can't do it on your own, then I urge you to turn to Jesus. He comes and he rescues. Give your life to him today. For the first time, come and talk to me or a Christian near you about it. Or perhaps it's just surrendering your life afresh today realizing that you're trying to do it on your own, that you're hoping your efforts are good enough. But instead, we entrust ourselves to Jesus, the one who is worthy of our worship. So back to Habakkuk's prayer here. Let's look on the screen again. I want to look back at verse 2, and I want to read a little more of verse 2 this time. Would you read it aloud with me together again? And this time we have a little more of verse 2. Oh, Lord... I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. This is so cool. Listen to what he's saying. Look at, look at on the screen at what Habakkuk's saying. O Lord, I've heard about you, and I'm in awe of what you've done. Do it again. Revive it. Repeat it. God, I know that this is how you work. I know you come and rescue I have my how long questions. I have my why questions. Now, Lord, in the midst of this time we're in, revive it. In the midst of the years, make your glory, your goodness known again. Repeat it. Or we could say, keep up your good work, Lord. Perhaps that's what's underlying Habakkuk's prayer here is keep up your good work. And first of all, note that it's good work. All of God's work is good work. The Bible reminds us in Romans 8, 28, that God is at work for our good and his glory. We saw in this passage, verse 13, the reminder of what God is doing. It's for salvation. It's for the rescue of his people. Keep up your good work, Lord. Rescuing us from sin and death, bringing us new life in Jesus, rescuing us from ourselves, continuing to transform us from the inside out and give us a new heart, a new mind, a new attitude. Keep up your good work in our lives, God. And, and, then, and then also I want to say about that phrase that's on the screen, keep up the good work, is this idea, keep it up. We just said it, right? Come back at me, Lord. Repeat it. Revive it. We've seen you work. We've reflected on your goodness. We've recounted those times when you've been there before us. We've recounted the ways that when we thought there was no way, you made a way. We've, we've recounted and been reminded of, of your goodness to us and your constancy and your faithfulness and your love no matter what through it all. Repeat that. Show us again, Lord. Because... Because we know that God has worked in the past, we can trust him to continue working now and always. Read that, read verse 2 with me again one more time, and now we're adding the rest of it. <laughs> read aloud with me again. O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Whoa. In your wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk is saying, and perhaps you and I should say, 
as we wrestle with God, as we have these conversations with God, as we go to God in prayer, asking him to help us understand what he's doing, asking, us, asking him to remind us that he's always working, even if we're not sure how. Perhaps what Habakkuk is saying here is, I, I know we may experience your wrath, Lord, but I know you are merciful too. One person I was studying and preparing for this message said, it's, it's kind of like Habakkuk is saying, do something, God, but don't do too much. Answer my prayer, Lord, but not too much. In your wrath, remember mercy. We might, followers of Jesus, church family, we, we might uh, witness God's wrath against evil. We might ourselves need God's discipline in our disobedience. But Habakkuk's prayer is, but go easy, God. Demonstrate your love to us too, your forgiveness, your grace, your kindness, your mercy. God, we are thankful for your mercy. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to study your word. We thank you for an opportunity these recent weeks to study the book of Habakkuk and relate to this conversation between God and Habakkuk. God, I know I come to God with my own how long questions. And I know the circumstances don't seem to change quickly enough for me. And I know there are others in the room who are asking why questions. What is this about? Why is this happening? How long is this going to go on? God, do you hear me? Do you see me? What are you going to do? God, thank you for this honest example as we've studied this book, reminding us that that you are a good and loving Father, that, that, that you hear us, that we can come to you, that we can be honest and pour out our hearts. But God, thank you too for your answers to Habakkuk in this book. Thank you for your answers to us, reminding us that you are working, that you always have been and always will be. God, thank you that you remind us that, that you are at work for our good, and your glory. So God, even if we experience difficulty and even if we see your wrath poured out against evil, even if we experience your discipline, God, teach us patience. Remind us of your mercy. Remind us that in Jesus we don't get what we deserve and that in Jesus we do get what we don't deserve. Your rescue, your forgiveness, your salvation, a free gift to us. God, help us to trust you today. Help us to put our faith in you and learn to live by faith. As the ushers come now this morning and we give our offerings and we lift our voices and we say our prayers and we hug one another in our church family, God, would all that we do this morning be out of great thankfulness to you? God, would you teach our hearts to say, we love you, Father. We want to serve you. And no matter what circumstances, we lift up our praises to you. We see, we've heard your, of your fame. We stand in awe of your deeds. Teach us to respond in thankfulness no matter what our circumstances. Knowing that you've been faithful in the past and you will be faithful moving forward. God, where you have where we did not know how to, how to proceed, 
God, help us to see where you make a way. Help us to trust that you are working for our good and your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.